Three. Three. We're going to do that again. Three. I, I forgot. Three. Two. Two. One. One. And now I've missed my opening script, really, given Natalia my best here. <laughs> hey there, everybody, and welcome to Cinema on Tap, your weekly movie podcast with a refreshing selection of movie reviews and industry topics on tap for discussion. As always, I am Scott Lenz, joined by my drinking buddy and co-host, Christian Ubius. Christian I'd just like to apologize in advance. This is uh, not in advance, actually. I'd like to apologize just in general. This has been a laborious process to begin recording, and I appreciate your patience with me because I am not with you in the room right now. I'm in the great state of Ohio, and we had some technical difficulties. Why are you? Why are you in the great state of Ohio, Scott? Well, I am from the great state of Ohio, as as listeners of this podcast, eagle-eared listeners of this podcast, may know. And I was visiting with family to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers game because the Pittsburgh Steelers had a week one home game for the first time in eight or nine years. And how did that week one home game go? To celebrate that occasion, thank you for asking, they got absolutely mollywopped and obliterated <laughs> and eviscerated and their booties kicked by the San Francisco 49ers. So that's maybe why we had technical difficulties. I just, I've, I am stained and marked with bad luck. I'm cursed in some way. I was bringing that onto the show with us. When was the last time the Steelers won the Super Bowl? Because it was last time the Steelers won the Super Bowl was in 2011, but it was the 2010 season. I have to double check that because my Steelers fan bona fides, you know, it's, it's important that I get that. Mm -hmm. But of course, Christian, while I look up the Wikipedia page for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you get to introduce our newest friend of the show here, as we are once again joined by a wonderful guest today, and that is none other than Natalia Martinez. Natalia, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm so excited. And you two actually met before, which is, it, it's, I, I'm on a kick of bringing in co-hosts who have never met Scott. Mm -mm, nope, we met him at his uh, your guys' housewarming party. Yes. And he was like, hey guys, she's going to be on the podcast. And he's like, <laughs> okay, we're doing it. Making it happen. And, and yet, that is still so much more than I normally get for guests of the show. It's live on air. They get to be subjected to my movie opinions in real time. So I, I, at I, least I, we had a chance to meet. Yes. What was I introduced you to um, Natalia and I's mutual friend Trey. Yes. And I was like, so he's going to be on this episode and this episode. And you were like, when did we play? <laughs> oh, we, we're discussing that movie? What? Christian has already have the lineup set up for you guys here. Yes. Christian is both co-host and producer of this show already. And he's now taken on the third role of talent booker. So I... I appreciate that. He helps bring interesting people onto our show who share their opinions with us, and we appreciate that. By the way, the Steelers lost the Super Bowl in 2011. They last won it in 2008. That's what I, I, 2008 was what I thought, but I, I, I was going to defer to you. Yes, yes. There you go. There's your Pittsburgh Steelers knowledge for this episode, which is going to be about book smart. <laughs> <laughs> Our modern high school movie rotation here. We've tapped a wonderful cinematic keg looking at new release, Bottoms, and recent modern classic, some might say, Lady Bird. And now we are turning to Booksmart, which is, uh, I guess I hadn't seen Bottoms before recording about it for the show, but a movie that I'm now watching again for the very first time. So 
very excited to have a movie that's been on my watch list for a while finally crossed off, I have to say. But Natalia, what is your relationship to Booksmart? Because I know normally Christian tries to bring folks onto the show who have some kind of connection to the movie being featured. So I'm curious if you do, or if you have just seen it and you're a fan, or, or where you stand with Booksmart. So I watched Booksmart maybe during the pandemic. I think that was like, Booksmart came out in 2019, I think. Yes. 2019, so a year yes. before the pandemic. So it was late in the game of watching uh, Booksmart, but I really enjoyed it the first time I watched it. Now, I am more familiar with Olivia Wilde with uh, Don't Worry Darling than I am with Booksmart, and we most likely would talk about that a little later on. Um, but I think my first... Um, opinion, kind of my first review of Booksmart. I really liked it. I really liked how fun it was. I liked this like kind of mixture of like super bad 2019 version of it. I think it captures like high school in a way that Euphoria may not capture, you know, and that type of like, <laughs> and not to bash on Euphoria too much here on the show, but I think that, you know, there's a way to capture a high school, um, kind of high school life, girl friendships, girlhood, um, in a very not so social media way. I think that it's cool that they don't really in, like involve social media too much in the show and I think, or in the movie as like other high school movies do. Uh, like, let me think. There, there's a, there's in, in, there are some pivotal scenes in which social media is being used. Yes, of course. But I think that like, it's not in like, a, like, uh, what's that one movie that came out a year or two ago? The uh, look up? No, she, uh, she, he's all that, which is like the reboot. That's to... that disgusting movie. Yes, that's a disgusting. But that's movie. what I mean. Like the, you know, the, those types of movies nowadays. That's what we're getting of high school. And like yeah. Booksmart was very like still very humble. It was narrowed down into mm -hmm. its storyline. I liked the dynamic of the two main characters, Molly and. Um, Amy? 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 Yeah. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I recently watched it yesterday because it's been a while since I watched it. I watched it uh, this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm fresh on it. So I'm fresh on the movie. I can talk about it. I can. Um, I do have some favorite scenes in it. Yeah. So that's kind of my relationship with Booksmart. Now, Christian. Yeah. You are from the great state of Florida, mm -hmm. which is the setting for Euphoria, and I do have to ask. On a scale from 0 to 100%, how much does Euphoria capture your high school experience? I've, I've only seen parts of the first episode, and it... Okay, okay, here's the thing. I grew up, and there was a show that was on TV a lot on Nick at Night or something, and it was called Degrassi. Did you watch Degrassi? I did not watch Degrassi, no. Scott, did you watch Degrassi? No, I did not. <laughs> and Degrassi was a show that I think was... is was very, I don't even know if it's still going, but um, there have been many, many iterations of it over the years of just teen pregnancies and rape and school shootings and individuals coming out and being bashed for being part of the LGBTQIA plus community and people committing suicide. And I watched this and one of the, my thoughts was, this school should be shut down. <laughs> And Euphoria never attracted me mm -mm. to it because I don't, like, even in the first episode, there's a relationship between a much, much older <laughs> man and this really, really young looking uh, Yeah, she's girl. like 16, I think, in the show. Like, And I was like, this isn't okay. 
I and, and I don't know. It was kind of triggering is the wrong word. It's just I don't want to watch young people go through that. Mm-hmm. That's it's a good yeah. That's a good that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that euphoria uh, yes, you can capture drug abuse, you can capture, you know, toxic relationships in high school, but I think it's definitely lost its plot, especially within the second season. If you watch the second season of Euphoria, no, the creator of the show also did create the show The Idol. Oh, which I have been told has, has no plot. Has no plot and was canceled after one season. It was a social media sensation for all the wrong reasons, and I did not watch it. But did I. I heard, I heard so much about it because it was the kind of show that people did not stop talking about. Like, they were like hate watching every episode. Right? I think everybody was really encaptured by the weekend's rat tail that he had in the show. Oh, yes, uh, yes. Because his hair was... He apparently hair. had yes. an absurd amount of uncomfortable or cringe-inducing lines mm-hmm. that he delivered with bad acting, which is partly why people reacted so negatively. Also, the idol, the one that you see now, the season, that was not the original, like, show. Yeah. It was supposed to be, like, she was supposed to be, like, kind of like Barbie in a way, like, very, like, girly. She was, like, this cute pop star. It was a whole other plot until Dan Levinson, the creator of the show and of Euphoria, Sam Levinson. came in and... Sam Levinson, not Dan yes. Levinson. Oh, man. Uh, Christian, I'm realizing now that I'm, I'm 0 for 2 on this show because Euphoria is set in California. I don't know why I said it was set in Florida. I was just I misremembering care. something. It's filmed in California and set in a fictional California town. So we just got to move on, move on to a different topic here. You know, with our new branding here on the show, Cinema on Tap, we like to break out a little three-ounce glass and just get a little taste of something. Something new to wet the whistle before we get into our, our full pint, as we'll, we'll discuss Booksmart here later in the show. So what I wanted to talk about today is, and it's related, so it's it's not super irrelevant, no big industry topics that I wanted to get into. I really just wanted to talk about Olivia Wilde and Don't Worry Darling. Because I think, well, Natalia, I'm glad that you already brought it up because it was a lightning rod of controversy in some good ways and in some bad ways. In many bad ways. In many ways. In many ways. I, I, I am one of the few, the proud, the fans of Don't Worry Darling. I ended up liking it a lot more than I think the reputation that it has suggested I might. And I honestly really loved all of the controversy and behind-the-scenes garbage, which not all of it is good, obviously, but I like having a movie with a that's just a messy movie where there's drama behind the scenes there's rumors about the cast hating each other everybody thought harry styles spit at chris pine at the venice film festival and we have no proof he did it we have no proof he did it okay and i am here to say that i am a massive harry styles fan i am pro harry styles so i'm glad to talk about this topic here please talk about harry styles you would you love me because i would love to talk about him so obviously try to contain it to don't worry darling but you're not going to so (laughs) you opened up a a portal yeah you opened up a can of worms but i obviously won't all i will say is that i have been a massive fan of him since i was 13 years old obviously dating back to one direction days and leading up now to his solo career now obviously one of his first things that he was ever in in a film was dunkirk now a lot of people or in him in dunkirk you know he didn't have a lot of lines his acting you know there wasn't much to his character within dunkirk so a lot of people were really surprised with don't worry darling because that when you really start to see his acting ability um And as I was telling you, Christian, before we started recording, I think it took 
at least me personally, a minute to kind of disassociate him as Harry Styles and to be the character of Jack in the film. Um, it did take me a minute because he's he's with the accent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's very hard to hear him speak these lines and him in a character when he has his accent that you hear him speak in, in like on stage. So it took me a minute to kind of disassociate myself from him as an act, uh, as Harry Styles to an actor. However, the whole controversy within Dunkirk, um, or uh, don't worry, darling, excuse me, um, really kind of shadowed a lot of like the movie, which kind of is upsetting because yes, the film, there's like, you know, there's many different opinions about the film, but I think overall there's a story there. Uh, we can tell where it would want it to go. I think we like, there's something there, there's substance, but everything surrounding the like outside of the movie kind of really overshadowed it, which sucked. But I am someone who does not think that Harry Styles is acting poorly in that movie. Do I think he's amazing and wonderful and great? No, but like, I don't think he's a bad actor in that movie. Um, I don't think the movie is particularly uh, strong or knows what it wants to do or what story it wants to tell. Um, and, uh, you know, did he spit on Chris Pine? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, he, I'm still waiting for him to return in Eternals 2 as oh, Thanos' yes. brother. As Thanos' yeah. brother. I'm waiting. I think he's getting buff. Again, I know this because I am a massive fan. No, my, 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 um, I, I, I don't know if it was on Facebook or Twitter where I saw this, but it was just like a shirtless picture of Harry Styles and like Harry Styles seen going and showing his toned abs as he goes into a pool. And I go, you mean, it was he's, a... you, you mean he's shirtless? You mean he's swimming? That's good. I'm glad that he's going for a swim. It was a lake, not a pool. I'm so sorry. It was a lake. It was a lake. Yeah, but I think also to the... The story in in Don't Worry Darling, it's not the original script. There was an original script written by the Dyke, uh, Van Dyke Brothers, I believe, back in the day. And so the writer of the collaborator with Olivia Wilde, um, they rewrote the script. And there was like a really good like kind of like gotcha moment in the original script, which would have played really well in like if they kept it in. But they kind of really cut that out. There was a lot of confusing plot lines within Don't Worry Darling, like the airplane. What was the airplane? Where, where did the airplane where go? Where did the airplane where go? Where did the airplane go? Uh, who was the child? What ha- well, obviously, they the whole like the children aren't real, but what happened to the child? What were the earthquakes? You know, there was a lot of like different like confusing parts within the story that like got a lot of people confused. I was confused the first time. I think. For me, what I really, the parts that I did enjoy was, or what I, what really like affected me the most was that like, you know, she's kind of questioning what's going on within the, like in the town, like what's real, what's not. But the only person that she trusts is her husband, Jack. And at the end, it turns out to be that Jack was the one who betrays her. And that's like the biggest, like what affected me the most within the, the movie watching it. So I know, I think there's like, there's goods and bads within Don't Worry Darling. Well, with the Harry Styles of it all, I'm sort of with Christian and that I think it's not a 
terrible performance, although it's probably not really a great performance either. The way that I described it at the time was it's just kind of a zero. If you're adding to the movie or subtracting from it, he gave a plus zero. And we, we thank him for his efforts. But I remember really being compelled by some of the reveals, shall we say, which, mm-hmm. Natalia, you mentioned one of them that Jack has been conspiring against. Is it Alice? Is that Alice. Florence yes. Pugh's character? And there are some revelations about their relationship, shall we say, that felt a little bit satisfying to me. And and sometimes I'm really comfortable with obviousness in movies or uh, pedanticness, whatever you want to call it, didacticness, there we go, where a filmmaker has an idea that they want to communicate and they do it the most obvious way, most clearly put way possible. And I am comfortable with that in some ways that others aren't. And I love a good nuanced tale as well, but sometimes you just need to be someone like Spike Lee who will... Uh, put his character staring directly into the camera and telling you exactly what the movie is about. And although I Love Your Wild didn't do that with Don't Worry Darling, I think she makes some very, very obvious and clear connections to some elements of modern life that affect their 50s paradise in Don't Worry Darling that really I appreciated the swing. And you're talking about how it was originally written by the Van Dykes, this writing probably uh, siblings, uh, maybe brothers, but... Uh, it was rewritten by Katie Silberman, who yeah. is the writer of Booksmart, one of the writers of Booksmart, a collaborator with Olivia Wilde there. So interesting to see Olivia Wilde as a filmmaker bring in someone from her first movie onto the second one to better rework the script into what she wanted to make the movie about. I, I will say this, and I thought this as I was watching Booksmart. Looking at Booksmart and then looking at Don't Worry Darling, I don't know what attracted her to the second project. Um, they're both completely different in tone. They're both com- like one one's a thriller. In- one's a psychological thriller. One's a high school a movie. high school movie. Um, and 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 not not to say you know that you can't bounce between genres, but also one is very much so like an ensemble cast, or at least much more so of an ensemble. One is not. One is lighter, and there is a dramatic tension to it, but it's lighter throughout. One from the moment you're there you can tell that something's wrong Mm -hmm. and i don't see too many parallels between the two of them except for the strong female lead right that's the only thing one is really plot focused the other one's much more of a hangout movie yeah and so book Book smart has a very thin plot it's more designed around its its scenes and its set pieces and getting its characters from one place to another yeah more fun to watch kind of and don't worry, darling, you ha- kind of have to, like, pay attention and try to follow along and try to, like, find where the end game is. Yeah. But, I don't know. Anyway, I, okay. overall, I think I really did enjoy Don't Worry, Darling. I think, I also have a personal connection to it because they filmed in Palm Springs, where I'm from. Um, so, that was really cool because back in the pandemic, that was, like, a big thing. Everybody was out there. And, of course, as a major fan, I was like, oh, my gosh, he's out in my desert, in my... Um, jackrabbit tumbleweed filled little town uh so that was cool really cool so overall i really did it i enjoyed the film i think it was fun to watch i think it's that extravagantic like what your life you wish to have like what would you want in a dream scenario to be in a home obviously also in terms of like society now and in terms of like 
women like in the movie the women are staying home while the men go out to work realistically like you obviously want equal um to be able to bring both that party uh both kind of contribute both for the household now i would like to say for myself that i would not mind staying at home and having the men go out to work so honestly i related to that in ways of like i don't mind staying in a in a kind of a fantasy world um but i think it was a lot of fun i think that you know the plot was fun to watch i think they both did really a good job would also not mind staying at home and having my wife (laughs) Yeah, take the opposite yeah. role. Work, and I can take care of the kids. Yeah, or pay the when babysitter. Did we, when did we go back from that? <laughs> when did we? How can we go back to that? Because I would not mind living in that world again. <laughs> My lovely wife Maddie is a public school teacher, and uh, L.A. City Schools. Their superintendent makes over four hundred thousand dollars a year. And when I found this out, I inquired about her interest in the more principal or above, more leadership style track. And she said, stop talking about that. It's never going to happen. So my dreams of being a stay-at-home dad at slash stay-at-home movie watcher will have to wait for a later date until Maddie wakes up to the beauties of being superintendent of a large city. What could go wrong there? <laughs> Just kidding, Maddie. Love you. And... Now with Olivia Wilde herself, obviously, we talked about her second film, and we're going to talk about her first film, but she is primarily known as an actress, and over the last few years has really made this strong pivot into being a director herself, but I'm curious how much the two of you know of her as an actor. She acted on TV, she had a famous run on The O.C., and she's been in movies for, I mean, 20 years at this point, but she's someone who I realized I was not super familiar with. I've only seen her in a few movies, and it's usually where she's playing a pretty small part. Like, for example, she's in the movie Her, and has one scene where she goes on a blind date with Joaquin Phoenix's character there. Or she's in Babylon, Damien Chazelle's movie from last year, but again, has a very, very small part at the very beginning of the movie and does not appear again. No, 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 it's at the, yeah. I thought he was the last wife she had. No, she's the first wife. She's she shows the, the, up the at the party. the very beginning of the movie, they're, like, arguing, and uh, she, like, is in the car, and then I don't think you ever see her after that, because I think uh, she... If I remember in the movie, she, like, commits suicide, I think. Oh. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah, not good. She, um, uh, Olivia yeah. Wilde. She was in Tron Legacy, which we discussed here on this program back Wilde. in our olden days when we were cinema drip, but Wait, we did talk about her on that, but Tron Legacy. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes she was. Yes, that's yes, what I was going to yes. say. I remember her being on that. I remember seeing, like, the trailers to it. I've never seen it. I've never seen the film. I don't think I've ever seen anything... With her, because she also was, I believe, House she, or what was, was the name in, of that TV show? The House. I'm gonna have to Google yes. this. You're right, The House or something like that. She yes. was in, like, on a TV According show. to her her little bio, she played Remy Thirteen Hadley on the medical drama House. There you go. See. She was in Richard Jewell. I do remember seeing her in that. I don't know who else here has seen Richard Jewell. I'm not seeing yes, that. her character, a lightning rod of controversy uh, for her role in that movie, unfortunately, seems to be a thing following her <laughs> throughout her career. But... I, I know her. She she was she was married to and has kids with Jason Sudeikis. Jason Sudeikis, yes. I feel like she was just no, always, that, like... always that like... <laughs> I feel like she's always just been that like pivotal two, 2000s actress that you like you would see amongst those early actresses like i'm trying to think like uh amanda uh, what's her name amanda, amanda Seyfried? Seyfried? yeah 
Yeah, I feel like she was amongst those people, but I never really watched her in any of like her TV shows or films until she did Booksmart. And I remember her from like just hearing her name. I only made it to episode seven of season one of the OC. Mm. So I can't I can't comment on more than that. I've been wondering about that for a long time, Christian, because you told me when you started watching the OC and you haven't said anything about it for months. So I really was wondering if you had been watching it in the background, but I, I it seems like you have not, unfortunately. You know my schedule, bro. You, it is, it's not fun. I had to... Yeah, I am always behind on TV because I watch too many movies. That's, that's where my free time goes. Well, I mean, I make time for movies and the gym. I'm on, I finished episode two of the live action One Piece and it's not good. But oh. <laughs> like it's, it's not a well crafted show by any means. I will I will watch episode three. <laughs> I think you kind of have to when you're watching a show. I think that's the whole purpose of, of the yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I was surprised because like Marvel Secret Invasion, I was really looking forward to. Didn't watch a second of it, and then the reviews came out, and didn't feel the need to watch any more of it. Yeah, not to get too much into MCU culture, but I have not watched any um, of the recent Marvel stuff probably since Guardians. I think that was like the last thing I've watched. Volume three. Mm-hmm. Well, that was still pretty recent. Yeah, but like I guess none of the TV shows. Like I didn't watch Miss Marvel. All that. I I just watched, I, or I, I should say, I watched the first episode of Secret Invasion when it came out. I watched it around the time it released. And then I had some travel over the summer, and I was moving throughout the month of August, and I just never finished watching it. And finally, I realized that I wanted to be caught up, and so I watched two episodes on Friday, and the next three on my plane to Ohio on Saturday. So I finished Secret Invasion. I will say it is it is okay. If you are not an MCU devotee. That's a better review than what I've heard from other people. Uh, absolutely yeah, do not need to. I think you just raised the Rotten Tomatoes score. Yeah, I think so. How I many like... people paid you $50? <laughs> uh, my good friend, Fevin Kaigi, uh, shall we say, you know, got him on speed dial. We've been chatting. Not really, unfortunately, but that's that. That's enough MCU talk for this episode. As, as we got a we got a downshift here. My taster, my glass, it's empty, and I need to pour me a nice a nice tasty pint of Booksmart, because I am really looking forward to talking about this movie. Like you, Christian, I watched it today, and I have not been able to stop thinking about it. I, I really really like this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil my thoughts on this movie, and I'm really looking forward to unpacking it with the two of you. So. Just a couple uh, background notes here before we chat about Booksmart. Of course, directed by Olivia Wilde in her feature directorial debut. She had made a couple of shorts before this. And written by a few different writers. It was originally written by Emily Halpern and Sarah Haskins. Their script was rewritten by Susanna Fogel. And finally, Katie Silverman delivered the final draft. All of them contributing, of course. And it stars... Caitlin Deaver and Beanie Feldstein, who we last talked about in Lady Bird, as two high school seniors on the precipice of graduation who realized that they have done high school wrong. They've been studying and being responsible and getting into good colleges, and they realized that they really wish that they had had some fun like a lot of their peers. And so they set out to attend the craziest party of the year before their graduation. Uh, it was also, just in general, pretty big success. It was made for a small budget of $6 million 
made 25 million back at the box office. So again, not a huge box office smash, but one that has become widely beloved over the last few years. And Natalia, I think your experience of discovering it during the pandemic is not uncommon. It was a movie that was streaming on a few different places over the years, and has just become really beloved by um, people sort of of our generation and younger. It's a movie that gets talked about a lot online, and when people are talking about great movies from recent years, I know it's often considered among the best, especially when we're talking high school movies or female-centered movies or comedies even. So, Christian, did you have an, a relationship to Booksmart before we get into our review? I've already asked Natalia about hers, but I'm curious for yours. I watched Booksmart when it came out, and I thought it was okay. And that was it. But I was surrounded. I will say I was tainted. <laughs> I was I was in film school at the time, um, and everyone around me said, "Yeah, this movie, it's just okay." And so I thought it was cool to say that. I rewatched it today because I didn't have the highest opinion of it going in, considering "Don't Worry, Darling" and my memory of Booksmart. And I go, "Wow." Booksmart's really well directed. <laughs> it is really, really, it's so funny. And there are so many just scenes I had completely forgotten about that hold up really well. And the dynamic between Caitlin Deaver and Beanie Feldstein is fantastic. Mm -hmm. It is a great, great duel that they've got there. So many amazing quips, one-liners. None of these people realistically look like they're high schoolers. They all look like they're five to eight years old. But it works. But no, it, it works. doesn't. But no, I it think doesn't. it works. I mean, in the grand scheme of high school movies, it could have been like Grease, where everybody visibly looks 35. But at least, <laughs> yeah. at least for this, they look like they're young. But you also don't want a bunch of actual high schoolers that are 17 getting high off of some strawberries and <laughs> jumping out of a, a ship, you know? Like, so in ways, it does work. Sure, you know, I mean, I don't have a problem with it in Bottoms, although in Bottoms, they also make no attempt to hide the fact that they're that, not. That they're not. They're for sure not in high school. I will disclaim right now, I have yet to see Bottoms. Okay. I've been oh. trying to watch it. I have a group, good friends of ours and Christians, um, that we have an entourage that we constantly go to AMC to watch films. I have a question. Yes. I am not invited to these. <laughs> well, question is, oh, are you, are you uh, AMC A-lister? Are you? Okay, this was not public knowledge to me. So I will converse I with our said, entourage. I have a group of friends that Christian is a part of, and we go, and I go, no, I don't go. <laughs> Christian, I gotta say, I really respect the power move of inviting Natalia on the podcast purely to corner her and force her to invite you to these movie. Right, right. Movie I'm glad that you are pointing this out because I feel very cornered here. I'm one person. You, you need to be. You need two people to corner someone. Okay. Well, yes. So I've been trying to watch Bottoms, but because it was such a major success, I think it was sold out. For most of it's, it's been hard to get tickets. Yeah, it was been it was really awesome. hard, which is amazing. I I completely because I've heard great reviews about it. I'm really excited. I love um, Ao. I cannot pronounce her last Ayo name. Ao Edebiri. Yes, I love her in the bear. 
I'm yeah. a big fan of the bear. The bear's amazing. So, yeah, so I really want to see that film. I also, Theater Camp was another one that she was in. Oh, right? Theater Camp's fantastic. Yeah, I have yet to see Theater Camp as well. Um, so, yes. <laughs> I giggled with glee, like a true giggle, when I realized how much DNA from Booksmart made its way to Theater Camp because I saw Theater Camp first, and now I'm going back. And there is a classroom scene in Booksmart where it's just like, boom, boom, boom. Like every recognizable teenage supporting character or actor. And there's quite a few from theater camp who are also here. And it just, it put a big smile on my face. We, Christian, are about to talk about Booksmart. And I'll leave you to sort out your friendship until after we're done recording. And I can go to bed because it's three hours later here in Ohio. And I have to catch an early flight tomorrow. My opening question to you two as we get into our Booksmart review. Uh, Natalia, you may not have the point of reference because you've not seen Bottoms yet, but notably, it features a dynamic duo, Rachel Sennett and Iowa DeBerry, in that movie. And then we change to Lady Bird, where it's focused on one sole main character. And now we're back to Booksmart, focusing on a dynamic duo. So for the both of you, I am curious. Did Caitlin Deaver and Beanie Feldstein make it work in this movie as a dynamic duo? And specifically, were they able to sell you both on the comedic moments of this movie and the more dramatic moments where they, along with Olivia Wilde, are trying to grab on your heartstrings? Could they sell both modes this movie is trying to achieve? Yes. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) Christian says yes. Natalia, what say you? I think so, too. I think they really... It works. I think the two dynamic works. The the two actresses, they work so well together. Their chemistry is... You feel it on and off. I've watched many interviews of them uh, together, and I think that it really works. Okay, so the the opening... I don't know. No, it's not the opening scene, but it's when they first meet. (laughs) Is it I, when they're outside of her apartment complex? Yes. Okay. So Caitlin Deaver's Amy goes to pick her up, and then, and then Molly is just like dancing down the stairs, and they keep complimenting each other as they're dancing, and then they repeat that when they get new dresses to go to the party because they're finally able to make it to the party, <laughs> and then. Oh, another scene. So it's revealed that Molly has a crush on someone. And she goes, but he would never go for me. And then Amy slaps her. She's like, don't you dare talk about my friend like that. (laughs) Oh, and then the fact that for you to... They have the code word Malala. Oh my God. (laughs) See, okay. This is... Okay, wait. Pause. Because... <laughs> this, this is the funny thing about Booksmart is that it's it's so feminist oriented, mm-hmm. which is really funny because I don't think I've ever met two like friends that are that feminist oriented. I'm gonna also argue Molly little fake in her feminism. Oh, 100%. 100%. Are you guys saying you don't know anybody who has a framed portrait of Ruth Bader Ginsburg in their bedroom? I also don't know anybody who has a BLM poster in their room. (laughs) And not to get too political here, also by a white woman. Yes. Yes. So... Now let this white man intone here on this feminist take about this movie, but I I honestly love the way that they portray these two in their politics because it feels so natural to just to specifically to online 
like terminally online young liberal white people who are so well-meaning and and just trying to do their best but also come across as so cringy and as a person who is so frequently cringy like trying to achieve the same ends i i really loved that portrayal of them because while yes they can be like it is objectively hilarious and weird that they're like their word to to get each other to do one thing without question is Malala like that is so bad <laughs> it's so cheesy and hokey but it, it it's also funny in the ways that it that that mindset more positively shows up in the movie as well where uh you, you also see the ways that they become more confident over the runtime of the movie and they're able to put that uh that big talk they have into uh walking the walk as well and they're able to bond and connect with one another while they push each other in the same ways that a lot of their their mindset might, you know, they, they try to adopt and have that at all times, but they're able to push each other to be the person they're saying they are in some of these social settings. So it, it made me laugh in this portrayal of these young 18-year-old high school seniors, but <laughs> it also, I think it worked as well for the movie in terms of creating believable, lovable characters. Yes, I agree. I also think that... Going back to what you were saying on just how well they work together and how supportive they are, I think, too, like, you see that when they're in, like, in the middle of trying to get to this party and Amy's just not for it. She does not want to go. She's really... Once they've hit their second party, they're like, okay, we've gone to a second party. Let's go. We've done drugs. We've done drugs. I think we're good. (laughs) And she's like... Molly's like, no, we have to go. Like, we need to. And Amy's like, why? Why are you so insistent on going to this party? Um, And I believe it's the scene where there's one of the... Like, one of the supporting characters is like, because she loves him. She loves Nick. <laughs> Which is, I'm not mean to spoiler the movie, but it is one of the big reveals in the in the movie at towards the end or towards the middle. And it's just like the once that instantly comes to knowledge to Amy, she's like, oh, then we have to go. Like, no matter what, whether she's uncomfortable with something, whether she, you know, at first did not want to do it, once she realizes that there's a more deeper and personal meaning for her best friend, she's all for it, which I really, really loved. Um, and obviously things kind of get crazier once they end up to the party. <laughs> and the funny thing is, like, that is Molly returning some, uh, or Amy returning some of Molly's energy, right? Because mm-hmm. Molly's been, been so supportive of Amy, who they bring up a couple times that she came out as a lesbian earlier in high school and now she's been harboring this crush on a girl named Ryan and Molly is always trying to get her to go talk to Ryan and and they go to the party to make sure that Amy can have this moment meeting up with this girl she's got a crush on before they graduate and go off to their separate things and she's been so supportive of her crush and now Amy gets a chance to return that supportiveness you know where even though it may seem like Molly and this boy she's crushing on named Nick are not really a great match for each other because the only way we know Nick is as the annoying vice president of student council <laughs> to Molly's president. Nick, Nick is played by Mason Gooding. He sure is. Who is phenomenal in Scream 5 and Scream 6. Oh, I did not know he was in those. He is in those. I've never seen Scream. He, he, he also, he, um, can, can we reveal who Nick ends up with? I would say no. I, I would say let's actually let's let's keep that until maybe a little bit later if we do want to talk about it. Okay, the person that Nick ends up with, they have as much chemistry as a potato. 
a potato and uh, like a like a dragon. Like there's this couple makes no sense. No sense at all. No sense. And I'm glad you bring this up because I was watching when I rewatched Booksmart for this episode last night. I was watching it with my roommates and we were all very confused as to why they've chosen them to Which is an amazing up. choice though. But it is. It is because everybody can agree that, that that does not work. But what it does opens up a portal for, you know, the, the friendship. Which is crazy. What's also amazing is that all of the supporting characters who make up like the the, the rest of these seniors are wonderful. I mean, oh my god, Scott and I were texting about Billy Lord who plays Gigi, and she's oh my she's gosh, the best. I think she's like my favorite. Car- yes, Gigi. I think she's my favorite out of everything in that movie. I think she's like the best. Uh, she is. She's what Sharpay Evans would be on crack. Gigi, like okay. My, le- my legit thought about Booksmart, it is, it is so funny. It is such a, a winning high school comedy. But this secret ingredient is Gigi because she is, she is so funny. And she's the perfect, like, variant almost in this narrative formula where Bottoms, for example, is, is playing with a very satirical, goofy, heightened high school tone. And like Natalia, one gag in that movie is that the high school or the football players never change out of uniform. So they even walk around their high school in their pads and cleats and stuff. And that's the kind of tone that they're going Very for. Very Heathers. Movie. Right, yeah. And Book Smart <laughs> is relatively more grounded. Like it's heightened to a normal comedy level, but it's not like really satirical. But Gigi is the one piece where she is just like this amazing movie invention where she's just mysteriously showing up at all of these parties <laughs> over time, has all of these secret talents. Like one of the best bits in the movie is when they finally get to graduation at the end of the movie and she's playing this elaborate and complex piece of classical music <laughs> while they're waiting for the ceremony to start. And Billy Lord is so funny pulling off this just goof of a character she, who you think is just on drugs the entire time because she's so strange and mysteriously appearing at all of the parties that Amy and Molly go to. She is so funny. I loved her. No, she was amazing. Also, like, her entrance to the movie, that slow-mo of her in the car and the hair is, like, all in her face and it's that crazy, obnoxious movie and then slows back down to it just being, like, messy with that one what's his name the guy that she's always with in the so movie? the character is jared and the actor is jared. skylar DeSando, and he I is a national treasure he, he i love him i i think he's wonderful because he oh man i forget what movies he's been in i know that he was on seasons of the santa clara diet Whoa. I, I so he became a beloved internet figure for his role in Licorice Pizza. Mm. Yes, he Which, was. if you remember that, that, he is another teen actor who's going up for some of the same roles as Cooper Hoffman, who plays the main character in that movie. And he is portrayed as this wise beyond his years striver, the kind of guy who will, like, greet a woman speaking Italian to her. <laughs> like, is so refined and advanced. And what's so funny is he's playing a character in this movie in Jared who is very different in his his vibe and the kind of persona he portrays to the world but is very similar and that he feels like he is entirely unique he's a one of one <laughs> in, the, in this world he is so funny and, and Jared being this rich guy who's trying to get people to like him but doing it in the most bizarre of ways is he is again 
another character here who is so, so funny, but similar to the main characters, really, because Gigi doesn't really get a serious moment. Jared gets at least one or two, like, actually touching moments that land because we've gotten to spend so much time with him over the course of this one crazy night. When, when he said he all he wants is, like, planes and also to build planes and then use that money to finance original plays. <laughs> and I'm like, this is, you, you're for sure just just many girls' dreams right now. <laughs> He's also the type of person that, like, if you had him in your high school, obviously you would just, like, despise or you just would not like. But he, to me, he was just so adorable. And just, like, his effort to want to get people to like him was honestly wholesome. Like, yeah, you want to buy people's affection. Like, yada, yada, yada. Who cares? I saw but, my like, parents do that for so many Yeah. <laughs> but it's just, like, it was it was so cute. And I feel like if, like, pe- like, if people paid attention to him more, they would really like him. And just like he's he just, bought everyone an iPad. I'm, he bought everyone an iPad. Come on. Also, too, why would you not want to go on a ship, on a, at a on a party on a ship, disco floor? You can dance. And the catering team catering. catered for <laughs> for for Sasha Obama, right? Sasha Obama's birthday party. <laughs> why would you not want to go that? You'd rather go to a house party. That house was very big. Very big. Not as big as the ship. But these, not as big. These yes. people are, are honestly, except for Molly and Amy, all of these people seem pretty rich. They seem pretty rich. That looks like a house definitely in like the Valley area here in Los Angeles, like San a- Fernando Valley. Amy looks like she lives in a, in a decently sized mm-hmm. yet still moderate apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, we have no clue where Molly lives. We just know that she has a room. Or other way yes. around, where Amy, the other way around. Amy, yeah. we see Amy's parents, who are very memorably played by Lisa Kudrow and Will. Lisa yes. Kudrow. Yes, I, I love, love Lisa Kudrow. Wait, can we talk about the scene where she says that they think that they're in a lesbian relationship, and so she plays into it with the parents. Please do. And she goes, she's like, I don't need to know all the the language for it. <laughs> <laughs> It's so perfect. Like, that just works well. And then it's Lisa Kudrow. Like, come on. Like, no other person could have, like... Lisa Kudrow, to this day, is one of my celebrity crushes. Oh, of course. hundred percent. Of course. Yeah. Worth it. She's phenomenal. And it's, again, these these very real and relatable characters where their daughter, Amy, is a lesbian who is out and comfortable with it. And they are doing their best to be supportive, and they're doing it in cringy parental ways. <laughs> it is it is so funny to see the, just two great comic actors like Will Forte and Lisa Kudrow come into the movie and make you laugh for a couple quick scenes, and and then usher the characters along their way. Like it's it's so great when uh, people like them get to come into movies like this. There, there's a very uncomfortable scene with the panda at the end. Oh though. my god, god! Sweet Ling Ling, the panda. Thing, yeah, that's pretty interesting. No, it's not interesting. It's, it's uncomfortable. It's interesting. It's interesting, and I think I will leave it there because, yes. Oh. I will say though that is not an uncommon thing for women to have your stuffed animal. But I will leave it there because I am speaking with two men who don't know anything I, about this culture for women. So, uh, that, you know, Natalia, I feel so much closer to you right now. <laughs> Not that I mean that that's something that this has happened to me. But I've heard from stories. But like my friend. Yes, friends. It's not an uncommon thing. But again, I'm speaking to two men. So, 
I'm not sure what your guys' culture is, but we're moving on. So we're gonna we're gonna get away from the panda real quick, and I just want to yeah. say while we've been talking about the supporting cast, I do want to shout out some other folks. We don't have to go in as deeply to them, but there was a just a wonderful wide supporting cast here, and just give me a second to read off some names because there's a lot of people here, but. Number one, Jessica Williams, who plays the English teacher, Miss Fine, who, of course, is beloved to Molly and Amy, who are nerds. Mm. Wilf, um, Jason Sudeikis, before his marriage to Olivia Wilde ended, playing the principal slash Lyft driver, which is pretty funny. Notably named Jordan Brown, Christian. And and we know a Jordan Brown. Jordan Brown! Who, I don't know if he's still listening to this podcast, but if you're out there, Jordan, there you go. I know he listened to the Oppenheimer episode. Um, also, Diana Silvers, who's playing Hope, who's this mean girl who goes to their school, who I recognize from Space Force on Netflix, but she's another young actress who's been around. Molly Gordon, speaking of the bear, she just showed up in season two there. She is playing a, a character named Triple A because of a uh, dirty joke related to her uh, nickname given to her. Noah Galvin, who made Theater Camp with Molly Gordon, was one of the actors and writers there. And, I mean, even more people who we could just continue to rattle off names. But just a wonderful supporting cast here, all playing these funny characters and getting some great moments. And so before we move on to some other elements of the movie, I'm just curious if there's any other supporting actors or particular moments or scenes you want to shout out with this supporting cast. Because there's we could spend the rest of the review here talking about just them and the funny moments they get. So I'm curious who really stands out to the two of you. Uh, when Miss Fine is picking them up, is picking Amy and Molly up from a Lido's pizza, mm. and they go, we're so sorry to have you do this, and she goes, please, you you stop, you saved me from rewatching Gilmore Girls for the 50th time. I've never felt more seen in my life. <laughs> I I also felt pretty seen in that moment, because I'm starting my, my rewatch of Gilmore Girls It's now. that season. It's, it's that, that season. It's that, it's that season. Year. Yeah, I'm waiting for it to be official fall, so that I can get to my rerun of Gilmore Girls. Yes. That opening of, there she goes, lives with me yeah but yes also coming back to the teacher her relationship with um theo theo yeah she hooks up with the student with the student <laughs> which i'm not sure no. if it was made clear whether he was already of age he's 20 years old so yes yeah that's oh, okay. he's played by eduardo okay. franco who just showed up on stranger okay. things okay. and they talk about how he got held back i'm glad i'm glad that we established that that was okay but yeah, you, you know when you have to check? Yeah, because I when I rewatched it, I was like, wait, I'm not sure if this was made clear that if... No, he's 20. Okay. How old is she? It's How still not okay. It's still not okay, though, because she's also probably in her if, 30s. If we, if we... She says in the movie that she wasted her 20s, so she is at least in her early 30, 30s. 31, 32. Yes, still does not make it okay. And oh, yeah, I'm, not at all. It, it's kind of interesting that that was something that was not really paid much attention to. Because it's like, how could you not? <laughs> how could you not? And then that like scene that she, or that approach that she tries to make to him at the graduation. That was uncomfortable. That was pretty uncomfortable to me. I was Tough look for Miss Fine, but a very funny moment from Jessica Williams. A very funny moment, though. Very- when they try to um, force the guy... For the Lido's Pizza driver oh to God. give them the address of Nick's party. I love that. I just love what they did with that. That was a fantastic scene. I love that. I love that. That like contradiction, ironic thing. Yes. When you later on realize that he's a whole serial killer on the loose. Yes. 
<laughs> I think what he says to Amy and Molly as they're trying to get an address out of him is, did you guys even think about sexual assault for a moment? <laughs> Which is, again, a tricky line to deliver, but in the in the comedic tone uh, that they're going for, <laughs> I was laughing out loud. It, it's a I success. I forget what his name is, but he was a writer on SNL for many years. Oh. Yeah, his name is Mike O'Brien. He was an actor, too, but he may not have acted for more than one season. Um, yeah, he, w- he wasn't on for the show for a very long time, but... He was a recognizable face to me. I, I was like, man, who is this? And I looked him up after the movie. Those are the main... Those are the main people yeah. who stick out to me. I'm trying to think. Argyle? I, I would say I refer to him as Argyle because that's his character's name in Stranger Things. Um, what was his name again in the movie? I don't know who Argyle is in Stranger you know, Things. Have you ever watched Stranger Things? I've seen the first two seasons. That's Theo. Edward Theo, okay, yes. Theo, Theo yes. Okay. I refer to him as Argyle because like, I feel like he's just a variation of himself within all the roles that Wait, he's playing in. There's there's the girl that, that Amy hooks up with. Right, Diana Silver's character. Um, of, I that forgot her name. That was a great scene. That was a really uncomfortable scene. Uh, but at the very, very end... Can we spoil this movie, bro? Um, you know, I was trying to avoid spoilers because this is still a relatively recent movie. Like, I was catching up with it for the first time. Sex goes wrong at the end. Okay, like, I'm I'm not going to say what happened. Sex goes wrong at the end. It felt like, you know, I can see this happening in real life. And that's kind of why I love the scene. Also, it's just so uncomfortable. And she's in such a bad place before heading into that scene. Both mentally and physically. Because why would you want to hook up in a bathroom? In a, in a dirty bathroom. Uh, in a stranger's house. In a bathroom. Where men and women yes. <laughs> use. That was just very, very interesting. On the floor. On the floor. And then something more horrendous happens. Scott, I tried. No, yeah, no, she's she's not wrong, though, about the bathroom floor and the more horrendous thing happening. It, it's real. That's but it's real. It's, again, it's real. All of this is real. That's what I'm saying. That, I think that's the great thing about this movie. Is you that, just like, said it was horrendous. No, but, like, it, but it's real. <laughs> but it's real, what I mean to say, is that, yes, it is horrendous, but that is realistic. Sure. That is realistic. That yes. is That is what happens at high school parties, is oh, that people yeah. will try to find any place within the house or wherever they're at to cock up. And it's very realistic. Speaking of things that are realistic about Booksmart, I am curious what y'all think about really what I would call the core theme of the movie. Because in the midst of all of these ridiculous moments and high school parties and big laughs that Olivia Wilde and her writers are getting, I also think that at the core, there is this theme of just kind of finding yourself and these young people trying to figure out who they are on the precipice of a big change in their life, whether they are going to college or taking a gap year, we have these people trying to be something that they're not. And we trace that with Molly and Amy because they're the whole inciting incident of the movie is that Molly is in the bathroom and here's some people making fun of her for being a tryhard and a super nerd. And so she goes to confront them and says, well, at least I'm going to Yale. And somebody else in that room says, I'm going to Yale too. <laughs> and another person is going to Stanford to play soccer. Someone else got a job at Google, so they're not even going to college. And she realizes that these people who she judged all through high school for having too much fun and being partiers and not studying as hard as she did or trying as hard as she did are still going the same places that she is. And Amy 
is struggling with something similar, having lived a similar life to Molly. But we also have Jared, you know, who we talked about, is, is trying to buy friendship. <laughs> He's the rich, annoying kid with a heart of gold. And he reveals more about himself later in the movie. And we have people like Annabelle, or, or AAA, shall we say, who has this reputation that she doesn't necessarily like, but rolls with because she's you know popular and has friends and she's accepted. And we see all of these people trying to find themselves or desperate to reveal more of who they really are, but not really getting that chance until the right moment strikes. And I'm curious what you think about how the movie handled those more dramatic moments, because the comedy, it sounds like, works for all of us. I laughed out loud multiple times watching this movie by myself. <laughs> like, it is way funnier than I expected it to be. I had a great time watching it, but I think some of those dramatic moments, some of them hit, and, and maybe some of them, they they were they work, but they're not as successful as they could have been. So I'm curious what the two of you think about some of the core themes and, and some of these more serious moments that we get to later on in the movie. I think the drama works well. I also don't think it's about people finding themselves. I don't really think that's the theme of this movie. I think it's more about people accepting themselves because it kind of feels like these people know who they are and they're working now towards trying to figure like what that means at that point. Because Amy has, you know, she came out two years earlier, but she hasn't um, explored her sexuality too much. And so when she is having sex, that's like a big moment in the movie because she's losing her virginity as well. And so it's it's um, her trying to, you know, explore something that even though she has come out, there are still parts of her that don't feel comfortable in it yet. For Molly, it's, it's not that she would ever... She's not trying to find, I think, what kind of person she is. She's come to the fact that she's a hard worker, that her hard work has paid off. But maybe she can add something onto it. So it's like her core personality is there, but then it's also what else can be added on. And that, to me, I do think is an interesting thing. These people that are saying we can be multifaceted, therefore, how do we be multifaceted? Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I also think that uh, in terms of molly when she hears them talking about her in the bathroom i think as like a, a straight a you know perfect scholar student you kind of you see her kind of question like herself in terms of like wow i did everything right and i'm going to this great school but i'm didn't have fun. Like, I'm not having fun. And, you know, it starts to question whether, you know, I guess, I guess who she is. Um, but I think in terms of, like, the main relationship between Molly and Amy, who they are without each other. Because then later on, I'm not sure if this is a big spoiler. Can I talk about this part of, like, what they reveal to yeah. each other? Can I? Okay. Yeah. Uh, essentially, when, they re when Molly realizes that Amy's not going to um, Botswana for six months, she's going for a whole year. And she's doing the gap year and she's messing with the plans that Molly had for, for them. And they really try to deter that really kind of hurts Molly in a way of like, well, what am I without you? We had this whole plan. We were going to do all this stuff together. And Amy goes, that's your plan. That's not my plan. And so that really, you know, they kind of question what their friendship is like without each other because once you once you're out of high school once you're out of seeing each other every day your best friends every day you really become an independent person so you really try to find yourself without your friends 
and who you are and what who you are with other people and new people and you know we really got start to realize what our life is going to be like as adults too because then you start getting in relationships and you start getting married and you have kids and those best friends are not the people that are your best friends anymore you're partner is now your new best friend and all that so it's it's really them trying to figure out where they are where they stand with each other once they graduate and once they go their separate ways which is it, it's that tends to be the thing for a lot of people when they graduate i mean watching this did does have the effect that high school movies should have which is it made me miss part of high school because i didn't party really in high school there were like a couple things i went to but even then it was not like uh, you know the movies always glorify those parties like first of all if you were going to go to a party like this the the place would be much smaller there would be way less alcohol it would be way less organized it feels like people knew which groups they should be in the house looked way too clean <laughs> and and uh, it, it's just one of those where man but this place looks fun like when I look back at high school how uh, do I look back at the fun times? Honestly, not always. I I only keep in touch with one friend from high school. Mm-hmm. And this made me think, oh, who is everyone else? And what are they doing? I'm coming up on the, in two years, I'll have my 10-year reunion. Whoa. And so what does that look like? Scott, for you, it's next year? Yeah, I mean, next spring will be 10 years since I graduated high school. Which is an utterly bizarre thing to say in the same day that I've gotten to visit the two of the very few people that I keep in touch with from high school who both just had their first babies. <laughs> so, crazy. yeah, it's, it's a, a strange and reflective time, but maybe fitting that that's why we're looking at some of these high school movies, Christian, because naturally, as you get older, these kinds of movies become less and less relatable And the most successful versions of these movies are still able to make you, I think, feel something authentic while you're watching it, even as you get further away. And it's funny to watch this movie and, you know, like Christian, it sounds like, (laughs) except maybe more so. I was someone who didn't party in high school and uh, I was also someone who didn't party in college. You know, that wasn't really my scene. But as I've gotten older... I partied in college. (laughs) (laughs) great (laughs) the rest of us did it (laughs) and even though there are some choices i'm glad that i made you know i'm glad that i never woke up in a strange room puking my guts out (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm also somewhat sad sometimes that i i declined opportunities to hang out even in a place where it would have been totally okay not to drink just to hang out and have fun you know i i declined an invite that i should have taken or I didn't take an opportunity to maybe explore an interest of mine because I was feeling too comfortable or too nervous uh, of stepping out like that. And so I think Booksmart really accurately captures that feeling where Molly and Amy have this big moment at the beginning of the movie where they realize we did it all wrong because we tried so hard and we got into the schools we wanted to get into, but so were these other people who had fun the whole time. And that's a really relatable feeling, I think. And so I appreciated getting t- getting in touch with a part of myself while watching this movie about two 18-year-old young women who, uh, you know, I, I am not an 18-year-old young woman, of course, but was, again, able to connect and relate with them even as I'm now almost 10 years away Bro, from you're my on high a school roll. experience. You're on a roll. I think last week you said, I 
am not a woman. Now you need to clarify, I'm not an 18 year old. 18 year old woman. <laughs> yes, specifically now, not an 18 year old woman. Yeah, I, it, you know, one nice thing about this month is we've gotten to see a running theme for high school movies, which are directed by, often written by, and centered on young women, which we got plenty of high school movies featuring female characters, of course, but a lot of times high school movies were centered on male characters in previous decades. And so now we're getting to see more female filmmakers enter Hollywood or the indie filmmaking scene, and they're getting to make these movies reflecting on their life or reflecting on high school or even just making a dang high school movie and like so many people have done. And it's cool to see these new ideas or rather fresh spins on old genres from folks like Olivia Wilde and, and Greta Gerwig and now Emma Seligman. I was just going to say that I think in like in a personal level as well, everything that you're saying, I completely agree on. Uh, and, for, and for me personally, I think like the not wanting to do the wrong thing was like why I never did any of those things in high school. Like I never partied either. I was a theater kid. I hung out with the theater Same. guys. I was, you know, I, I enjoyed them. They were all fun. But I also was just always scared of doing the wrong thing, being caught doing these things. And they progressed to college too. I never even did in that. Plus I was in college during the pandemic. So that kind of stopped that whole thing. But yeah, I, I really, I applaud them for being able to capture that kind of like not, you know, holy shit, we didn't do this in high school what do we do now we have one day to do this and i wish if i was in their position i think if i was in their position and i can go back in time and have that one last day of high school i'd probably do it too i'd yeah, try to go the drug strawberries the drugs to, to do it all you know yolo the guys serial killer. i think the serial killer getting to somebody's not having my phone charged probably not call yeah. my teacher because i mostly had male teachers Porn in the back seat of your principal's car. Yeah, and your principal's <laughs> Uber with string lights, which honestly, that sounds a lot of fun. I like that. I like that idea of him, like, I don't know, something about Jason Sudeikis as an Uber driver and him just trying to be hip with the string lights. I don't think I could get in. Jason Sudeikis has, But it's like, Jason Sudeikis. Like, obviously- He has perpetual creepy face. You think? I, well, when he's not Ted Lasso, I do. Oh, well, I've never seen Ted Lasso. Um, one of my favorite details about that scene is that he's wearing an earring when he's driving for Lyft, which is obviously not present during school hours. And there's also a moment in that scene based on Molly playing something through an aux cord that made me actually laugh out loud, like true bursts of laughter <laughs> based on what gets played. Wait, wait, no, 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 no. So they're watching porn and then he, yeah, 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 yeah. But he asks, what are y'all watching? Is that the new, I forget what he said. Is that Cardi B? Is that Cardi B? <laughs> <laughs> Which is so funny because that like foreshadows WAP next, like the following year. Yeah, I, I, I think I've listened to WAP once. Uh, the very last thing I want to talk about here before we wrap up is Olivia Wilde as a director. We obviously talked about her quite a bit with Don't Worry Darling near the beginning of the episode. And Christian, you mentioned this is a really well-directed movie. And I have to say, I agree. I think this is a really well-done debut. And there's a lot of swings. There's a whole sequence here where <laughs> Molly and Katie, or Amy, excuse me, are tripping on drugs unintentionally. And they are depicted as stop-motion, like, Barbie dolls, almost, or yeah. Bratz dolls, which... 
If you can fit a stop motion scene into your otherwise live action high school film, more power to you. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of other moments, I think, where she plays with music and the soundtrack well. And there's a phenomenal scene set in a pool at the big party where, uh, you know, most of the second act of the movie takes place, or I guess the third act of the movie, where Amy dives under the water and they're playing this, this song that's hitting just right in that exact moment. And she's feeling so like accepted and joyful at that she took this risk and then she surfaces her head above the water and she realizes uh you know another spoiler here of course we're talking about the end of the movie but realizes that the girl she's crushing on of course is is actually dating a, a guy and, and that girl and him are they're they're together and she doesn't have her chance with ryan so the way the whole scene is done i think just it's really really very really done well done, done. And then it goes into this big, long, unbroken take as Amy goes looking for Molly in the party. And by the time she finds her, they have this whole conversation. Again, unbroken. And the people in the background start to record. record. Yeah. That made me... Yeah. That's obviously a telling of the time that we're living in. That, like, nothing is, like, sacred and everything just has okay, to be here's the thing. No, here's the thing that you realize they did for the movie, which no one would do in real life. They have their flash on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's, that's how. But that's but obviously they do that because of that way you know. That way you know. Yeah. That's that's like you know those tricks that you need to put in the movie that actually wouldn't happen in yeah. real life, recording with flash on. No, but the way that the people in the back are all blurry because she's rocked. Fo- no, she hasn't rocked focus. It's just focused on the two, and then she's just moving. Like the camera's gliding. Glow, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then then it starts to get. They're arguing, and then it starts to get. It's quiet, and it's just the music, and you just hear them like talk back and forth arguing and at the very end molly is just like f you and then it ends that scene to me i think that was like one of the like saddest obviously one of the saddest scenes because you they just throw everything at each other everything that they probably pent up within their friendship was all thrown within that like three minutes which is sad because it's over a guy she they they start this argument over the fact that she can't accept what was revealed and stuff so i Honestly, the scene that I thought was the saddest was when Amy throws up. But I'll leave it at that because when Amy throws up, she just feels so ashamed. Yeah. When you when they're low. Which it's brought lower. It's you're lower now. It's just just brought lower and it goes, Oh, Amy. She gets a little redemption for that, at of least. <laughs> Before the end of the movie. Um Alright, Scott, yes. we're, we've been recording for like an hour, ten minutes. Yes, we have. It and, and it's been a great conversation, I have to say. There's so much more we could say about Booksmart, honestly. Yeah, there there are whole supporting characters we didn't get to talk about. There's great lines we didn't mention. But it sounds like a strong recommendation from all three of us, especially for Christian on a rewatch, it seems like. So that's Booksmart, folks. Unfortunately, not streaming anywhere right now, but I have seen it streaming places before. So keep your eyes uh, out, but it's also available to rent pretty much anywhere you can rent movies online. And Christian, I'm, I'm knocking on it. It seems like our, our keg is tapped out here as we've gotten to dive deep into the modern high school movie. We've poured three tasty pint glasses of movies and we've talked through Bottoms, Lady Bird, and Booksmart. And really, I have to say, I think the high school movie, although it's a genre that does not get made as often as it used to, there are some fantastic examples 
of modern filmmakers taking their shot at this particular time period, whether they're reflecting on their own life or just telling a fun tale, <laughs> coming-of-age tale, shall we say. And next week, we get to look ahead to some of our very favorites as we now go into a top five list. And Christian, next week, we're going to be talking about our respective top five high school movies. You know what movie I had to eliminate from the rankings? What's that? Uh, you know what movie I had to eliminate from the top five list? Tell me. West Side Story. Yeah. Because I... I, I, I was, th- I'm like, I love that movie and the high school is really important. But when you think about West Side Story, high school is not the first thing that comes to mind. And, and that, that's been my barometer. When I think about this movie, is the high school something that comes to mind first? Um, so that's so- how I've been thinking about it too. And so I'm curious to get to next week and share our lists. Have you been doing some homework, shall we say? Doing so much homework. Well, I can't wait to see what movies you've been watching, and we'll talk about that more next week. Natalia, you don't have to share your full top five, but do you maybe have a movie other than Booksmart that might appear on your top five high school movie list? As you guys were talking, the first thing that came into my mind was Rebel Without a Cause. Oh, amazing. Which is... Uh, Yeah, I think that's probably one of the top five, because... You know, it was so ahead of its time, honestly. Or, or you can argue that, like, we've not progressed. But, like, everything that he feels within the movie, um, James Dean character, mm-hmm. um, is a real reflection of, you know, high school feeling. And obviously they're, they're set in high school and there's a whole high school mm-hmm. dynamic in it. So I think that would probably be my, one of my top fives. In terms of nostalgia... I think High School Musical, which is uh, probably not a very common one, but I think just in terms of nostalgia and just like the desire of wanting a more one, two, or three, or three. Okay, three. What would you say? That's the only one I haven't seen. That's the only one you have not seen. Wow. I. I, I, I think three is my favorite. I think I, three has the best songs. It has the best songs. It has the best songs. I mean, they made the move from D, from decom to full blown theatrical film. So I got to believe yeah. that you guys are right. I'll have to check it out Sunday. I I am excited for you to watch that because it's. I just re- recently rewatched it. That's why I'm like very like on it right now. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think I'm trying to think of what other high school films that I've like really, really kind of related to. What are your thoughts on Ferris Bueller's Day Off or Breakfast Club? Okay. Ferris Bueller, I've seen once. Okay. I think it's also kind of in a way like Booksmart where it's just kind of like scene to scene, getting to one place to the other. Yeah. Um, the journey. Oops. Um, I really like Ferris Bueller. I think I might, I have really good friends who love that movie. They just kind of love how fun it is. Breakfast Club is a bore to me. <laughs> Hot take is a bore. Maybe I've only I've only seen it once as well. I think I need to watch it again. I think it's like with you with Booksmart where you just watch it and you're like, okay. Okay. It's a movie. I, I think I need to rewatch it again. I, as older and somebody who's already out of high school, maybe I'd have a different take to it. Yeah. The first time I watched it, I was bored. Okay. So that's right. my hot take on that. Yeah. I probably will lose friends by that. I don't think you will. (laughs) You know, if you do lose friends, it sounds like Christian is available to go see some movies at AMC. (laughs) Christian, as you mentioned, yes, we will have a guest next week, and it's none other than friend of the show, Keenan Culler of the Hollywood Week podcast, who very notably, and maybe he might not want me to say this, but who cares, knows people 
in the High School Musical cast, or rather new people, because he was an extra and a stand-in on some Disney projects way back in the day when those were being made. So shout out to our friend Keenan. What a great segue. Do you know his former Hollywood career? Do you, do you know when Jesse McCartney was in Sweet Life of Zach I, You know, that's so funny because I just rewind. I'm I'm on reruns of Sweet Life right now. So he was Jesse McCartney's stand-in. Stop. Nope. Wow. Wait, so what was his stand-in in High School Musical? Do you know? That I don't. I, don't. I think he was just an extra in High School Musical, but we'll have to check. Oh, well, I'm excited to hear his stories and hear that podcast, that episode. And... As we make fun of him often, Christian, he is 10 years older than us. And so we get to see how his tastes for high school movies change. He has three kids. He has three children, which is so much more than you and me, as we have a combined zero. So hopefully, <laughs> Keenan. You what? Oh, that's right. That's right. He'll be in person. He uh, is a current resident of the great state of Ohio. He has done a, a journey that I made in reverse, where he moved from Los Angeles back to Ohio. So we'll get to have him in person, though. He's visiting, and it'll be super fun to have him on. We've had him and his brother Kaysen on before, and Keenan himself has made solo appearances prior to this high school episode, so it'll be a great time next week as we sit down with Keenan and talk through some of our favorite high school movies. So until that nah, next time, thank you so much for listening to the show, folks. We appreciate you if you're still hanging around to the end of this episode. We also want to say a quick thank you to Natalia for being here and joining us for the very first time. I really hope you do make it back again. We loved having you. Just want to know if you have anything to plug, whether it would be a blossoming social media account or maybe a creative project you're working on and preparing to release to the world. We've had musicians who've mentioned their music. We've had filmmakers who mentioned their short films. And so just curious if you have anything going on, Natalia, or maybe you just want more followers on Instagram or Twitter. Wouldn't blame you. Yeah, you guys can follow me at Golden Natty. Um, and you can see all of my wonderful adventures of me following Harry Styles on tour um, the past three years. Um, I think that's my solo project for myself. But hopefully soon, as I've mentioned to Christian before, that I want to start a podcast. So this was a lovely take to be on and kind of the first time to be on a podcast. So stay tuned on my Instagram. Hopefully I will be uh, starting that soon um, and kind of create my own dynamic within a podcast. So thank you guys again for having me on. This was a lot of fun. I hope to return. Um, I hope I didn't scare you guys too much with my opinions, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's the fun part about having guests, you know, but yep. thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Well, Hey, keep us posted on when your eventual podcast launches. Cause I'd love to be listening in. Appreciate you being here and joining us today. And of course, if you are listening along at home, there are a few things that you can do to support the show. Number one, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating or a review if applicable to your platform. It just helps us reach new listeners and we also just honestly appreciate seeing those five-star reviews come in. And even if you have a little thought that you want to share with us, we've had some fun folks leave uh, reviews with a quick comment on our Apple podcast page, for example, and we appreciate that. So please rating or a review if applicable to you. You can also follow us on social media. I and the show are on Twitter. Christian is on Instagram and the both of us are on Letterboxd where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we are watching. Natalia, are you on Letterboxd? I have to ask. I am on Letterboxd. I recently just, I am, I am on Letterboxd. I don't know what my username is. Um, I am on it. I've recently picked up back on it when I um, began working where I work today. 
My username is also Golden Natty. So you can also follow me on Letterboxd. Um, and I will review some of the recent films that I've watched on there. And you can check. Got to get that High School Musical 3 review. Yeah, in. five star. All I have to say is Scream by T Troy Bolton. That's all you need to know. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Well, you said by Troy Bolton, not yeah. by Zac Efron. Well, Zac Efron. He is Troy Bolton. Of course, the very last thing that we want to mention here is we do have an email for the show as well. It's cinemaontappodcast dot at excuse me cinemaontappodcast at gmail dot com. We are always checking the inbox, looking for listener feedback, and especially looking ahead to next week. I'd love to know some of our listeners' favorite high school movies. Of course, there's a chance we'll mention them on the show, but. I'm really looking for those hidden gems because there are so many high school set movies out there. I'd love to know if you have thoughts. And what's nice to think about with high school is there's so many genre movies that are also set in high school, whether it's musicals like West Side Story or horror movies like Halloween. There's all kinds of options for anything that could technically count. So please do submit your thoughts. Again, that's cinemaontappodcast at gmail.com. Christian, any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home? I'm excited for next week's episode. So am I, Christian. It's going to be a great time. And until next time, this has been Cinema on Tap. Thanks for listening.